Okay. Don't you just love when God moves? This is Ollie. Everybody say, hey, Ollie. Now, I'm going to let you choose if you want to sit down or if you want to stay where you are. But she just walked up and said, I have got to give my testimony. And so, you know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. So that means what she's getting ready to share. And if y'all want to just grab the front row, you can do that too. What she's fixing to share is for a reason. It's because God wants to set somebody free. And so he, he stepped into the service and said, hey, pastor, shut up. I got something to say, right? And we love that. So what do you need? Anything? Just the microphone? All right. Okay. I'll try to make this as short as possible, but it's not a short story. <laughs> Number one, my mama wasn't even supposed to have me. They told my mama after my sister was born that she shouldn't have any more children, that it would risk her life and the babies. I'm here because God had a purpose. God has a reason for every life that he brings into this world. Then, my mama, when she gave birth to me, she had very little amniotic fluid. And I don't know if I, all of y'all know what that is, but that's literally what helps the baby inside breathe. There was only two tablespoons of amniotic fluid in my mom's womb when I come forth. My arm, because of that missing amniotic fluid, that's why I have this birth defect. My whole arm was attached to the womb. My hand grew in a different position. It wasn't able to be free. It was bound in that womb. And that's why it looks like it does today. Then when my dad, when mom had me and dad went in, the doctors told him, it, the baby won't live and the mama might not. The baby, I am that baby. I'm 56 years old. Give God the glory for that. But then my mama lived too. She lived past the age of, past my dad. All of that was because God had a purpose, and a lot of that is just prayer. He, my family tells me about when Daddy went home to my older brothers and sisters and told them that me and Mom might not live, that they got together, the five of them, in a circle, and I see that circle in my mind. Them praying that me and mama would make it. That's answered prayer. That's just the beginning. Way, way the beginning. I have been through so many different things. 
in my life. Went in sixth, seventh grade, well, actually probably even earlier than that. I started having some kind of things happen that doctors couldn't figure out. Um, it really, literally put me to where I could not get up off the couch on my own for like a week or two. Happened every year or every six months, just varied, it was random. Never knew what was happening. The doctors always, when mama took me to the doctor, would say, oh, she's got mono. Just let her rest for a little bit and she'll be okay. Well, letting me rest did work. But that was just the beginning of God in my body. But actually, I think that wasn't God in my body. That was just him using something that nobody wanted. But I would have to literally, Mama, I remember, would put a table beside the couch with my lunch and snacks on and drink on it while her and Dad had to go to work. During those days, those week or two, if I had to go to the bathroom, I don't. I couldn't have done that on my own. God had to give me the strength to even get off of that couch. Sometimes I just fell off the couch, then crawled to the bathroom while they were at work because I couldn't do it. just to give you some kind of information there. Then things got better. There were several years in high school and college that it didn't really happen. But after I graduated from college in 88, I started having more symptoms again. It was just a weakness. Uh, my eyes would close on me. Uh, and it was random. I never knew when it was going to happen or what was going on. I just submitted, Lord, I know this is okay. Though I don't like it, you're here with me. And you've got this, however it turns out. It took doctors 10 years. And me as a nurse telling a neurologist that my other neurologist wouldn't listen and didn't believe I had a certain illness to be diagnosed. I went to uh, Wake Forest and the neurologist did a test that basically sticks a needle in your eye right down here, below the eye, in that muscle, because my eyes were closing on me. I also remember driving to work using pillows and my children's stuffed animals just to be able to keep my hands on the steering wheel. 
because I had to work so that my family was fed. But when I would get to the parking lot, I would have the ability to walk into the to the hospital. I was a nurse uh, on a cancer floor and a neurology floor, and I knew the doctor personally from working with him that was saying, no, it's not myasthenia gravis. You don't have that. But he sent me to West, uh, Wake Forest. The doctor at Wake Forest did the test. <laughs> I'll go out in the waiting room waiting for results, come back, and come back in, and the doctor proceeds to tell me that test is negative. There's nothing wrong. I cannot find a thing wrong. You don't have myasthenia. Then all of a sudden, he realized, looks up at me and realizes that my eyes are closing in his presence. And he says, well, maybe you do have myasthenia gravis. And I, he's like, well, I can give you these pills. There's only one medicine that's used for that. It's called Mestinon. And he said he can give me the, that medication. And, or he would have my doctor back at home give me that medicine. And I looked at him and I said, I know him. He is so staunch on it. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He, he says, I don't have this. And he will not prescribe that for me. I said, so can you just prescribe it to me? He said, okay. You're a nurse. I'll prescribe it. And you're going to have to titrate it because you're going to, this medicine has to get in your system, but then it has to stay there and different things. And like a lot of medicines, they have to, they vacillate. It's like some days you need more, some days you need less. Or some weeks you need more, some weeks you need less. And he said, you're a nurse. You, I trust you that you can do that. I'm like, I mean, that was a shock on me in itself but anyway so he prescribed it he said if you do have myasthenia gravis this medicine will work within 30 minutes and you will know a difference at that point when I was before I was going to see that doctor I had literally gotten to where the only thing I could do was eat baby food my jaws and mouth could not chew. I could only barely swallow baby food some days. Then, so he said, it'll work. I said, okay, we'll see if it works. My husband drove me from Baptist Hospital to Concord to pick up the medicine. And so, got the medicine. I said, I got water. I'm trying it right now. It's th about 30 minutes from the hospital home. I got home. I was able to eat steak that night. <laughs> That's how good our God is. No more baby food. I was eating steak. Then, 
So I'm on that medicine. I was on that medicine for like three and a half to four years. Titrating it, see the doctor, everything's good. You know, still having some of the weakness and different issues, but the medicine usually fixed it. <laughs> One day, me and my family go out to eat at Pizza Hut over here on 2427, and I've taken my medicine. I had to take this medicine every two hours, guys. I had to take this medicine every two hours to be able to get up and walk, to pick up a glass and drink a glass of water. So I'd taken my medicine. We were at Pizza Hut, and I can't eat. I start choking. And I'm like, my family goes, Mommy, have you taken your medicine? I'm like, yes, I did. This shouldn't be happening. Literally, the medicine quit working for me. So I had been trying for and changed jobs and different things multiple times because I knew I needed to be closer to home because things weren't doing as well, even though I was taking the medicine before this happened. That day when it didn't, the medicine didn't work, we, they finished eating and my breathing's a little erratic. And my husband's like, okay, well, I'm not letting you out of my sight. He was an EMT. He was like, something's not right. I'm not letting you out of my sight. So he had to go back to work. So he takes me and my children to his work and has them sitting in the car watching mama, making sure mama didn't quit breathing on them. And if there was any changes, he need he come get him. Well, I rested, slept a little bit there in the car. Then he take we get home. I'm a little bit better. I was able to walk in to the house with help. But once I got in, that I mean, that was literally it. We had called the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, we can't see you t today. We can see you tomorrow. I'm like, okay, it'll be all right. I'll be good. And so the next day when we go into the office, I'm having to use a walker to even get to the doctor's, in the doctor's office. Get in the room, the doctor comes in and he starts probing and prodding. My eyes are almost closed, especially my right one. I can't hardly smile because of the muscles issues. And he starts poking and prodding and sticks a tongue blade down in my throat. I have no gag reflex whatsoever. I mean, and I had years ago, when I was younger, a toothbrush in my mouth would make me gag. I had to get over that, but I had no gag reflex. He was able to put that tongue blade all the way back in my throat, all around, back in there, and nothing, absolutely nothing. He's like, well, this is a my, you're in myasthenia crisis. We need to get you back to Winston. So he calls them. They can't see me that day. So next day we go to Winston. We go to Winston. 
And the doctor's like, well, yes, you're in myasthenia crisis. We need to actually give you some other different medications and see if they work. But I don't have a room available today to put you in and do that. So I'm like, okay. He's like, go home, figure out what you're doing with the kids, because I can't tell you how long you're actually going to be in the hospital for all this stuff. So we come back and get that settled. Go back the next day, because they did have a room the next day. Long story short, there they tried every medicine, everything that was available. Nothing worked. Um, my insurance actually told me I could only stay three days at the hospital. Uh, and so I was sent home to do IV, IVIG, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so had a nurse coming out doing that. But it still wasn't working. So I ended up, at that point, nothing's working. Ended up having to file for disability. Was denied three times. Uh, any doctor that I saw was just like, we don't know what's going on. Um, finally, one doctor made me really mad. <laughs> um, with myasthenia gravis, because it's a muscle issue, they can do what a muscle biopsy, and it'll show up on the biopsy. Well, I had finally gotten to a new doctor in Shelby who actually was willing to do, suggested doing the muscle biopsy. He does the muscle biopsy, and I'm in the office with my children in the waiting room, but he comes in and tells me, starts to tell me the results, when he had already left up, I know why doctors don't leave up stuff now on their computers. It's partially probably because of what happened with me. Because the test results actually on the computer and I can read that test results. And the first thing that that muscle biopsy said was the possibility was myasthenia gravis. But he proceeds to tell me, I don't have myasthenia gravis, even though this test actually says I do. So I really got upset. <laughs> I literally left his office and started walking towards the hospital, didn't even think about my children were in the waiting room. I was just furious. My, my daughter calls her dad and tells him, Mom just left us at the office. He's at work at the hospital there in Shelby. And so he says, I got to leave, leave and go find out what's going on. He comes and picks me up. And then I tell him everything was going on, and I'm just livid. And so then we get the kids, and we're... Diana was old enough that she could drive me home. She could drive, actually, she's how we got to Shelby for the appointment to begin with, because she, I think she was 15 when all this happens. 
Uh, so I was in the car <laughs> so she could drive. But anyway, so we get home and God just dropped into my spirit. Call Mayo Clinic. See if you can't go see them without a referral. And I'm like, okay. So I looked it up, called, found out, yes, I could see them without a referral. Talked to somebody there, and they could send, and they could get all my records and everything sent to them. So I did, went through all that process. As you can see, there were good days and bad days. <laughs> you just never knew with this disease. But anyway, so we end up, we're at church at First Baptist at the time, and our Sunday school class and a lot of people at First Baptist helped fund us going up to Mayo Clinic for a week for me to be tested. They also kept my children while we were gone. So go up there and they do all these tests, most of which I'd had already before, but they had to do their own test. But then the doctor, at the end of that week, he comes in and he says that I do have myasthenia gravis, but I have a rare form of the disease where the medicine quits working sometimes. And like, I mean, myasthenia is a rare disease to begin with. And then he says, I'm in that 2% that the medicine doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, that's my luck. It's just me. I, I've always got to do something difficult. Um, I mean, I've had doctors tell me, they pray before I, when they see my name on the list to come in that day, they pray to find out what they needed to do for me. Uh, but anyway, so this doctor's like, you've got this. And then so I'm like, okay, so what do we do for it? He's like, there's nothing I can tell you to do for it. There's no medication that will work for it otherwise. You've already been through all of the other types of things that can be done for this disease. There's nothing that can be done. After the disability got his information, I finally was approved for my disability. But that's just the beginning of it. Oh man, is that the beginning. I got my disability, but God had put me into a prayer class to just spend time with him and learn to pray. God started working when I was in that class. He started healing my mind. He started revealing lies that I had believed about myself, about the church, about Christianity and Jesus, all of that. He started revealing all these lies and things to me and revealing, really truly revealing himself to me. That's what he was doing during that class. And from that class, he started 
healing me physically as well. When he, when I spent time with the Lord, when I sit still, wherever you are, Dan, when I sit still with the Lord and let him work in my life, God started healing not only my mind, my, but he started feeling, healing me physically. Before that, I was on fentanyl patches. He, took, he got me off of fentanyl and all the drugs I was taking without any detox symptoms. The doctor who, a uh, pain specialist that I was sent to, because I said, you gotta send them me, but no records. When I seen that doctor, he's like, the medicine is actually making you have more pain. So he's like, how do you want to come off of this? And I'm like, I want to come off of it now. I don't want to wait. That's got to go. And so he prescribed me some medicine to help with the DTs. I don't think I still have the bottle, but I can tell you this, it was never opened. Because God took me off of all that fentanyl, all those antipsychotics and everything that I was on to deal with the pain and everything just instantly, almost. Within a couple days, it was all gone. The medicine was gone. And he's never had me go back to it. He literally... God has literally been taking me off of more medicines year by year. And I, I, I know I've shared with some of y'all that during all that, I was in a wheelchair. Diana and my other daughter had to actually get me to the bed, get me to the bathroom, get me in the car, those kinds of things for years. <laughs> no. No more. No more. God gets me up. Actually, this morning, guys, God woke me up at 6 o'clock this morning, and he said, all right, let's go for a walk this morning. I have a path in my basement or in my house where I walk with the Lord in the mornings, and he's still healing things from my past. He's still breaking those chains just because I said, here I am, Lord. I want to be with you. I yield to whatever you want. 